1: Investors, it is another beautiful day in the neighborhood, Wednesday, September 16th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. Some people call me the spitting statistician, stable genius, and vocal minority. And my main man, Kevin, I call him the candle burner Walsh live and direct here. Hoping to give you out some winners and put the fun and functional sports content. And Kev, when we came off yesterday, we were talking about Clippers Nuggets. And I was like, listen, man, they have shown the heart of a champion a number of times coming back Kevin in game five from a double-digit lead in game six from a double-digit lead and then in game seven in the second half again they pull away Kev we talk about this heart Jamal Murray again 40 points on 15 of 26 shooting we knew the stars were gonna show up well At least in Denver, they did, right, Kev? Because in the fourth quarter, it does not sound like the same could be said for the stars over there in the City of Angels. What's going on, brother man? Ah, Dane, how are you? What a lovely morning we have been presented,
2: brought to you by an absolute collapse from the L.A. Clippers. I mean, what this team put forward with their season on the line. You said heart of the champion uh, for the Denver Nuggets. I think that is more than fair. But whatever the opposite of that is, is what we got by the Clippers. The The heart of a quitter. (laughs) There you go. Second round exit, right? I mean, just (laughs) an absolute abomination put forward by a team that were the title favorites by the time we entered round two and Milwaukee had lost that first game. Yes, they were. The Miami Heat. A team that was minus a thousand to win the series before a game was played and after they had won the first game they took the line off the board to bet them to win the series and made the denver nuggets 25 to 1 to win the series they were a long shot in a golf tournament up against the clippers down 1-0 and then it was 3-1 all over but the crying they're up 15 blow the lead oh how do you lose that kind of focus get it together They're up 19 in game six. All right. The battle of L.A. is going to be upon us. Oh, no. They've blown the lead again. Game seven, anything can happen. But the talent is far too great on the side of the L.A. Clippers. They've got the best player in the world, so I was told. Well, I don't know where he was in the fourth quarter with all zero of his points. Playoff P was out and about, though, making it happen with also zero points. In the fourth quarter, and this team blows their third straight double-digit lead to blow a 3-1 lead the third time in Doc Rivers' career, which is impressive while also heartbreaking for him, and the Clippers
1: go home. They sure do. They go home out of the bubble. They are done with that. They had some spilled milk to cry over on their way out that I know you said was resorted by shams. Here's what I want to ask you, though, Kev. Um, and forgive me. I'm going to make an analogy in football. Okay? Um, there were a couple of games in week one. Uh The Giants-Steelers game, right? Was it truly the Giants front seven or a really bad Giants offensive line? Washington-Philly, was it truly a great Washington front seven or a bad Eagles offensive line, right? So I ask you here. Was it really this heart of a champion for the Denver Nuggets? Because they now, you know, they have this experience. Like, they do this. They did it against the Utah Jazz as we welcome our radio audience from around the country here. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh here on the early line giving you the edge. Thanks for hanging out with us. Right? But, The Nuggets have shown that they have this in them, right? Yesterday I said the heart of a champion, what have you. You say Doc Rivers has blown leads like this before. Playoff P shrunk in the moment. He has that experience. So if this makes sense to you, Kev, I'm framing it again in the same way. Mm -hmm. Do you give more credit to the Nuggets or more hate to the Clippers? It seems like you are reveling in the joy of the opportunity to give hate (laughs) to the Clippers. But what about
2: giving love to the Nuggets? The Nuggets deserve a world of credit. And I think your analogy to set up the question is bang on. The cop-out answer is usually both. And I feel bad, but it is the correct answer here because I'll tell you why. The heart of a champion, the no-quit, what do we have to lose, you're going to have to beat us, is how the Denver Nuggets win this series. But the garbage and fraudulent nature of this Clippers team is how they get blown out. Blown out in the final two games of this series. Dame. they were down 20. They, they had four they points with four they minutes were. to go in the fourth quarter, season on the line, and they all came from Jermichael Green. It is unimaginable for the way this team went out. And I will make this and we will have a little bit more time to give Denver their due because they deserve it, especially their stars. But the Clippers did what the Warriors had done. They punted on the regular season. It didn't matter. Except the Warriors did that while being defending champions of multiple years in a row and constantly going to the finals. The Clippers, all they did was bring in the reigning finals MVP and decide, well, the title has been won. They went from a gritty group that took two off that Golden State Warriors team to an absolute joke who just assumed they could sleepwalk to an NBA Finals. And the NBA is better for them being unsuccessful in that task. The regular season, hopefully, will matter way more than it has in years past after
1: this Clippers team getting rightfully bounced out in round two. Yeah, I wonder what the backyard barbecues in the city of Los Angeles will look like, um, you know, after the wildfires slow down and after we can gather in groups of more than 20, for goodness sakes. That is 2020 for you. We will talk about the Nuggets because they move on. We also had a game one in the Eastern Conference finals that I think was pretty good, too. We'll talk about it when we come back Welcome back in everybody right here to the early line on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. We were talking about the action in the association last night, Kev. I do got to ask you one thing. Remember yesterday when you asked me about the Nuggets, like, in essence, is it like a moral victory or do they need to kind of get to the next level to be perceived as such? Well, they, they push through that level, Kev, mm-hmm. and I remember asking, telling you, you know, maybe they do need this to be perceived as one of the best teams in the West, but I already thought they were. Um, does the perception of the Nuggets grow? Does Murray and Jokic get their due? Or even in this one where they break through, is the story still about the Clippers as opposed to the Nuggets?
2: So the story is still about the Clippers, but that's not disrespectful to the Nuggets. Again, a team that, for a lot of people, were the favorites to win the title, with 3-1 lead, with double-digit games, games 5, 6, and 7. Kawhi Leonard, who people were saying was the best player in the world, with the game-worst minus 21, scored only 14 points in 6 of 22 shooting, and 0 in the fourth quarter. And then Playoff P was right behind him, with a second-game-worst minus 20, scored 10 points in the game, 2 of 11 from deep, 4 of 16 from the field, and was a minus 20 and only had 10 points and 0 points in the fourth quarter. So all of that is the headline. And whether Doc Rivers is back next year is similar to the Mike Budenholzer situation. Hmm. He's now blown his third 3-1 lead. And hmm. I think it is legitimately fair to ask about whether this guy can actually get this Clippers franchise over the hill. But dang, Jamal Murray, yeah. this is what we've said. This is what we've been waiting for. This Nuggets team very clearly does go as he goes. 40 points, 15 of 26 from the field, 6 of 13 from three, and was sensational. Continually hit big shot after big shot. And he had 12 points in that fourth quarter. And again, compare that to the Clippers as an entire team scoring 15. It was an outrageous performance. And then Nicole Jokic, what some are calling maybe one of the best. Passing performances a big man's Hmm. ever put forward in an NBA playoff game, maybe one of the five best passing performances I heard people saying that they've seen in a playoff game with 13 assists, and that had an, oh, by the way, 22 rebounds to go along with an efficient 16 points for the game. I look at these two guys, and you know where I stand on who's going to win this title, meaning who I think is going to win this next series, but I think... Anybody would be mistaken to just dismiss this Denver Nuggets team, and that is the difference now, and that is what they accomplished by getting past the Clippers, is they will no longer be dismissed, they will no longer be pushed aside, and they will no longer be left out of conversations when we talk about teams that can legitimately win a title.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, Kevin, you know, what I mean, and, and and for me, and we've talked about this before, I've sort of like, you know, been high on them, or at least given them the respect, right, in the past. And I mean, if you just take if you just zoom out, they have the all NBA center. You, you know what I mean? But that, yeah, that's real. That's real. Like, why isn't that respected? You know, they have Um, If you didn't think so before, you have to accept it now. They have one of the best point guards in the league, Kev. They just do. Mm. And he's he's in his early 20s. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so what other franchise in the NBA can say that they legitimately have two guys that I expect to be all NBA for the next like four years in a row, right? And then somehow not be thought about as a legit contender. So I'm glad that they sort of broke through. We believe in guys like Michael Porter Jr. to continue to ascend. I think the future continues to be bright for the Denver Nuggets, and they're here right now, right? Will they get through the Lakers? We have plenty of time to discuss that, and we will as the Western Conference Finals kicks off on Friday, tips off on Friday. Unless you got anything else left on this one, I know Doc is you know, up in the air right now in terms hmm. of your perception, but I would like to talk about the... Eastern Conference Finals, Kev, that tipped off yesterday as well, and I think it was a very interesting game. The Miami Heat get the job done in overtime over the Boston Celtics, 117-114. to Kev, I wanted to ask you about this, because I know you were doing in-game live, right? And as I Mm -hmm. was watching this game, it was a roller coaster ride, Kev. It was a roller coaster ride in the first quarter. Boston comes out. Miami can't shoot The Rock at all. And I'm thinking about where you were saying, oh, one team went to game seven. Are they going to be rested? Are they going to be rusty? How is that going to look, right? Boston yeah. goes up big. Then Miami gets all the way back to tie it at the end of the first half. The same damn thing happens in the second half. They can't hit the broadside of a barn in the third quarter, but then they come right back in the fourth. How did this look, you know, doing in-game live? The, you must have been able to get people, both teams at plus money at some point. Well, primarily for
2: the Miami Heat. Um... Because they needed these runs to level the games up. But they entered the fourth quarter down 12 points, getting 9.5. Which, actually, I thought was more than... uh, I thought it really should have been 10.5. And and that's what stopped me from jumping on them, which I regret. Uh, But it is what it is. Um, And they were about plus 680 to win the game. And they got the job done. And that's what this team has done pretty consistently, Dan. I, I mean... We know Jay Butler, we know Bam Adebayo, those are the two all-stars. Goran Drogic, 29 points, a plus 13, 11 of 19 shooting. Jay Crowder, Crowder, 22 points, 5 of 9 from deep. And Tyler Hero, an assist away from a yeah. triple-double off the bench. Yeah, What? And those are three guys that are stepping up alongside closer sure. Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo with no overreaction to say the best postseason defensive play since LeBron smothered that Andre
1: Iguodala layup. So so his, you're just so down on Kawhi. So this block, the Bam Adebayo block, obviously is better than the middle finger block of Kawhi. It was a great Yes! I oh, Tatum. who remembers that middle finger block? Oh my god. get <laughs> that
2: middle finger Andre, on, I thought on 6 62 Jamal Murray
1: against 610. No, you're Jason right. Tatum, Listen. I thought Jimmy I thought Jason Tatum was about to throw it down, okay? I thought Tatum. Yeah. He was definitely passed his guy. I'll tell you that. And then had a bio came from Adam yeah. nowhere. Big time defense in critical spots. Jimmy Butler coming up with the shots not not only in overtime, right? But in regulation, the huge 3 yeah. to give them the lead. Then there was the, uh, you know, The foul before the ball was inbounded, giving the Celtics the kind of um, technical free throw. But talk to me about... Because, Kev, you're right. Miami gets this win, right? 117-114. But i got to tell you something. If you are a Celtics backer, right, in this series, I'm not coming away thinking that, you know, the sky is falling at all. You know, I'm coming away thinking, like, this is going to be a damn competitive series. We're going to get punched right. in the mouth. We're going to punch them in the mouth. And I'm excited to see the rest. Like, I don't think anything we saw here makes me think, at least, that there's going to be a gentleman sweep or a snowball. I actually think these two teams are going to be a heavyweight battle.
2: So, yeah, this is meant to be a back-and-forth affair. But if you're a Celtics backer, it's okay to say, yeah, we needed that one. I think that's okay to say. It doesn't – now. That sounds like, right, technically then, oh, that means you can't win the series. But I think a lot of people know kind of the settings in sports where I can say you needed that one. You're up 12 going in the fourth quarter. That's an unacceptable lead to blow, right? We can't let the Clippers take all of this heat that they deserve, by the way. Quarley Leonard scored zero points in the fourth quarter, and I was told he was better than LeBron James. Are you crazy? But don't worry about it. Um, We can't let the Clippers get that level of heat, and then we allow the Celtics to skate on by. I mean, that's, a, that's bad. You can't blow that kind of lead. And you have the opportunity to correct it in overtime. And they scored the first four points of overtime. They night, did. And they did. then allowed Miami to go on a 7-0 run. Right now, you take a look at this box score. Okay, Jalen Brown should be better offensively. Although defensively, he's chasing his tail a little bit right now against this Heat group. Marcus Smarto, that's a real good game. Certainly, Jason Tatum can be more efficient. But... Where is Kemba Walker? Now, I know thing. he stepped me, up and played better. He stepped up and he played better in the fourth quarter in overtime. Yep. But this now goes back to game number six against the Toronto Raptors, where he has just not been anywhere near good enough for this Celtics team if they want to move past the Miami Heat. He's getting outplayed by Goran Dragic. They're not going to win that way.
1: Yeah. He was at one point, I believe he was four for 17 from the field, right? Towards the end, he hit a couple of those, like, you know, jumpers from the elbow with the step back. He hit a couple of those, but he's got to be a little bit more consistent. I will say this. Remember, I told you I'm comfortable with Marcus Smart taking the big shots. And at least in the first quarter, in the first half, he was part of a big four for the Celtics. I do think this is going to be a long one. We'll keep on talking about it when we come back. Let's check out the news update from Chris Welch
2: I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out profootballdoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at profootballdoc.com.
1: Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line, giving you the edge on sports race I also want to say a big good morning to our radio audience around the country, especially the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. Guys, We stay safe out there on the West Coast. Kevin and I are here in New York City, right? And, like, 2020 has been crazy. People on the West Coast are, you know, hoping we stay safe in the month of March. Uh, I got family out there as well, Kevin, in California and in Oregon. They are sending me pictures left and right. We'll talk about the Mariners. Game that literally got postponed because of air quality like people are not able to go outside of their houses in multiple states on the west coast. So um, if you are inside. Uh, hopefully, you got it locked to sports Grid, and hopefully, Dane and Kevin can put the fun and functional sports content for you. But, you know, our hearts, minds, and souls are wishing that everybody in this country stays safe. Um, Kev, let's turn our attention to the NFL, right? We are midweek now. We've had a little bit of time to let the dust settle from week one. Everything from great play, poor play, injuries, um, and so... As we kind of take a step back and turn our attention to week two, there are a couple of big-time players and big-time news that we have to talk about. And the first one is out there in Chicago where Allen Robinson, their undisputed number one wide receiver, is reportedly – Asking for a trade. Now, Kev, this is pretty early in the season, right? Mm. For kind of whatever it is that pushed him towards this. Now, I will say this, and I've I've mentioned this (laughs) about Allen Robinson for his entire career. He has never had a kind of like top-notch quarterback. He had Christian Hackenberg in college, Kev. (laughs) He he had Blake Mm Borders. Then he goes to Mitch Trubisky. They have a stat in terms of like the targets that go to him that are like, on target, and the ones to Allen Robinson have been, you know, he's like kind of 95th in the league, only, you know, 95th out of 100. Only 62% of the throws to him are deemed catchable, Kev, yet he is out there as a wide receiver one. It seems like even though the Bears got a week one win, he is frustrated by the offense. I know you and I have been worried about this offense. Do you think AR-15 ultimately gets moved in the next month or so so this is very very interesting
2: um you you hear this and you initially think oh my goodness you really can't stand mitch trubisky and i don't think people would be mistaken to have that initial reaction but it also and this is you know maybe me just kind of you know putting my uh thoughts on other people but then i was like yeah but they won that's a little – I mean, right. come on, A-Rob. I mean, listen, me and you both probably put Nick Foles in the behind center. But you know, they won. Trubisky played well to come back. And then you kind of find out that he is waiting on a contract extension, one that he believes yeah. he deserves. And I have to wonder a little bit, though, if Allen Robinson, after that game, found himself a little bit more frustrated thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to put the numbers up to get the contract. I know I deserve contract. in this
1: situation Move me elsewhere. You know, I think that's a very interesting idea, Kevin. You know, we talk about it in fancy. We talk about it in the stock market, right? You're like sell high and you buy low kind of thing. And I think, you know, what you're saying could have some merit, right? Does Allen Robinson himself see the way this Bears offense play out? And it's like, wait a second. All that's going to happen is my stock is going to go down right now, right? And I'll get paid Mm -hmm. less. So maybe I need to cut bait and try to get someone when I'm still an attractive asset and teams would still want me based on some of the hype he was receiving in the offseason. A lot of people were hyping him up as like, hey, don't forget about him as a legitimate wide receiver one. Maybe actually playing the season can, you know, hamper that. It's like someone in college who's like a first round draft pick, but then plays his senior season and underperforms and, you know, becomes a third round draft pick that is an interesting idea i do want to make the note though the other wide receivers on the bears anthony miller riley ridley obviously calvin ridley's brother he went to georgia javon Wims, another georgia wide receiver kev out of these guys are there anybody that you're interested in i know anthony miller is um, uh you know has some potential and people are on him but if this happens would you look to any other bears wideouts
2: yeah, it, it's tough to all of a sudden think that a, another Bears right. wide receiver you would want to trust, right? Because the fact that people are even willing to throw Anthony Miller somewhat in the mix while Allen Robinson is there means we're trusting two wideouts uh for Mitch Trubisky. Offense, yeah. I just wanted to, to kind of ask you, though, what kind of return you think they could get for Allen Robinson? Because everything you said, right, puts him in a very... A high perspective i agree i think he's a super talented wide receiver and i look and there are some legitimate contenders that could yeah, very much him. show use his services i don't know if they'd ever send him to green bay in division but they of course could use Allen robinson baltimore yeah. do they need him i'm not sure but i think they. i think a guy like an Allen robinson would be nice for them and then two teams that are absolutely contenders that could use an Allen robinson the San Francisco 49ers, and the New England Patriots. So a first-round pick might sound like a lot. I don't know if it's outrageous, and I definitely think that they could find themselves with a second-round pick. I don't know if they do pick swaps in the NFL, and maybe the right-to-swap picks could be on the table, but I think they could get a decent return from Allen Robinson.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is interesting. He's still, you know, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. He definitely is an asset. I like some of the teams you mentioned. Where my mind went, um, if you remember, Antonio Brown fetched a third and a fifth round pick. Right now, obviously, maybe the leverage wasn't there in the same way, but Allen Robinson just threw away the Bears leverage by saying some of this publicly. Right. So um, I would say uh, with the idea of the kind of uh, locker room stress not being the case with Allen Robinson, like it was with that other all pro wide receiver that I mentioned, what my mind immediately went to was like second round pick, third round pick, something like that in that area. If you think about it, Um, and I think you are right on teams to mention, uh, you know, he could have a home with a contender if this goes down. And I'm not necessarily sure that it'll actually happen anyway.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'll just I just out there, though.
2: Um, I think a similar sentiment was offered about your guy, Jamal Adams, and the Mm -hmm. one thing that we were able to see was, well, look at the list of teams involved. That actually gives the Jets more leverage than we would think, because these other contenders are going to compete against contenders to put the guy on their squad, and I think the Bears could be in a similar situation.
1: That is absolutely possible. Just remember here with Alan Robinson, we are very early on in this, right? Yeah. You know, Jamal Adams was saying this kind of things for years before he actually got <laughs> moved, right? Yeah. We'll yeah. You mentioned San Francisco as one of the teams. You mentioned England as one of the teams. And so there is news about a wide receiver who has been on New England in the past and signed with San Francisco yesterday. And his name is Mohamed Sanu. It's the new day. Now, here's the thing. Mohamed Sanu does not move the needle for me. You know what I mean? He's not this huge playmaker, but what he is, is eminently familiar with Kyle Shanahan and the system no. that they are running in San Francisco because of his time in Atlanta. The other thing Muhammad Sunu is, Kev, and you know this, the 49ers, Shanahan, they they are rostering a ton, Kev, of like what I'll call Swiss Army Knife players, right? Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, even Jalen Hurd, right? These are guys that can do so many different things because Shanahan wants to use them in different ways in the scheme, and Sanu certainly fits that bill, did it in Atlanta, has experience as like a backup quarterback throwing the ball. So I think the fact that Sanu is so... uh, uh multiple and varied and knows the system, I think that is the value of his signing for San Francisco. But I wouldn't run to put him on fantasy rosters.
2: I'll tell you this. So bring in a guy that you're familiar with, Mom that's great and all. But Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch already one week in feeling the heat for passing up on both Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. Which a move at the time I think many of us thought Was the wrong decision for a team that could have really used a true number one wide receiver. Now, they they can't necessarily assume, right, that Debo's going to get hurt. And I think, you know, Brandon Ayuk battling injury as well. But.
1: And also, wait, Kevin, I can't. I got to stop you. Also, don't forget the biggest one. George Kittle has a knee Right, right, right. Okay. But at least he's not a wide receiver. We talk wideouts. Yeah, Yeah. but
2: he's a huge part of the passing game. Of course. No, 100%. I, I just think that it's. It's one of those things, right, where, you know, we always like to look back on drafts and like, oh, you should have done this and you should have done that. And not all too often, though, can we say with all sincerity that we at the time knew that a mistake was being made. And I can speak for myself at least that I never thought the Niners passing on both Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb was a good
1: decision. Yeah, I mean, Kev, going into the draft, we talked about it a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't mock drafts. And you, I, most, had the San Francisco 49ers using their first of two draft picks in the first round on the wide receiver. They flipped it and took Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. Remember, they had just uh, shipped off... Buckner, the f- right? I mm-hmm. get Buckner and Armstead missed, missed yeah. all the time. They just shift off Buckner and thought that they were driven by that huge defensive line with Robert Salah coaching them all. They thought that was their priority and we also said maybe that was their priority because the San Francisco 49ers don't mm-hmm. utilize like the prototypical number one big dog wide receiver, right? Their scheme yeah. is such that they do it kind of uh, greater than the sum of its parts and they thought Ayuk would fit that. I also think Muhammad Sanu does fit that. I did mention also George Kittle banged up and the San Francisco 49ers who are 0-1 travel across the country to see the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. They are, however, as a road favorite laying a full seven in this one and that one did move a bunch. Okay, It started at six or six with the hook and it zoomed to the full touchdown. You know how I feel about the home dogs. I don't know if this one is the one I am going to back I will say this because it has become a dumpster fire in Florham Park and when we come back Kev we will talk about you know the main attraction of that dumpster fire and how the New York Jets respond in their running back room in their offense and moving forward we got more NFL news to discuss when we come right back here on the early line Welcome back in everybody right here on the early line giving you the edge on sports grid Dan martinez and kevin walsh and kev I mentioned that it is a building dumpster fire in Florham floral park That's where the new york jets facility is and we have received word yesterday that lady on bell was put on ir now This is just this is literally a soap opera drama at this point kev. I mean if you go back to training camp, right They were like, um uh, Gaze was like, "Oh, we're gonna be gentle with Lev because he's got a little bit of a hamstring thing. We don't wanna, we don't wanna push it." Lev Bell takes social media being like, "My hamstrings are fine. I need reps. Give me the rock." Then what do you know? Before a half of football, Le'Veon exits with. My hamstring injury, and yeah. now we find out that it's you know bad enough that he's gonna be on IR. I do want to make a clarification here, Kev, because unlike years past, you hear IR and you're like, uh oh, season done, or at least eight games. IR now is three games, okay? So that means you know, guys that are on IR, like Debo Samuel, we talked about for San Francisco, he can be back after three games. They're talking about what they're gonna do with the Saints wide receiver that we're gonna talk about. So, but Le'Veon Bell going on IR. Means that he will miss the next three games for the Jets, not eligible to return until Week Five for them. But honestly, this is just like this is just a dumpster fire, like soap opera. What is going to come next in this saga?
2: Um, we will spin the wheels on this until Week Twelve when Gase is fired. I mean, you think Gase gets fired
1: in season?
2: I I mean, the only thing that's going to save him is him and Joe Douglas evidently being close. I mean, it's probably the only thing that saved him up to this point. Coaches do get fired in season, uh, so that's why I I would suggest it as a possible option. I mean, Dane, so I have to, uh, you know, when when we get closer to Friday, um, I'll have the answers to these type of things about how Kyle Shanahan and this Niners team is done traveling to the East Coast. But unless there are some underlying massive concerns here, I might start arguing to you that we're getting value on a team laying seven on the road. But the Jets put forward in that Bills game of, you know, kind of backdoor making it look respectable. Right. I just, they don't have talent on that team. The most talented player left is now on the IR.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree with you. And there are other most talented players uh, playing for the Seattle Seahawks. Right. Um, as you talk about week two uh, and San Francisco coming in, I think you're right. The only thing that would give me cause for pause is Kittle's availability. Um, and so I want to see that. Right. I do. If there's no Kittle and there's a universe where the Jets run defense is good and the arm if it's on Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm not trying to say I think the Jets are going to win the game. Right, But I, I do want to see about Kittle's availability because that will be a big piece of how I view that as well. Although, you are correct, independently of all other factors, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets do not look good and they do not look like they are going in the right direction. A team that people expect a lot more of, though, Kev, are the New Orleans Saints. And the reason people expect a lot more from them is, you know, the man who many people believe is the best wide receiver in the NFL, the man who many people drafted first off fantasy boards at the wide receiver position, Michael Thomas. Now Michael Thomas got rolled up on at the very end of that game against Tampa Bay. Didn't want to let the doctors look at it cuz he probably knew it wasn't that good. I'm hearing it is the dreaded high ankle sprain, Kev, and they're saying that this could be not day-to-day, but week To week, and they are flirting with the idea of putting him on IR. I heard it was because, you know, he's gonna try like all hell to get back into the lineup and maybe a situation where saving him from himself. And to be quite honest, I think it might be the right decision if you're the saints you're looking to play into late january and february right and so i don't Mm -hmm. want my all pro wide receiver having to play through this for four months take the three weeks bro you're one and oh remember when like i think they'll still be okay and i'd rather mike thomas if i'm a saints fan if i'm sean payton i'd rather he take the time needed to actually heal instead of having to manage this all season long but it looked like a more serious injury than we initially thought for michael thomas yeah, but can I ask you about all this? Like, every single time yeah. the the top
2: reporters report on this story, they have to add this caveat that Michael Thomas will do everything in his power to get on the field. Like,
1: sure. What is like this? Like, who <laughs>
2: wouldn't? Yeah, but, like, you know what? I, but it's just this weird thing where it's like, ah, Saints hands might be, you know, tied behind their back. No, that's not.
1: Right. You have the coach coaches just be like, right? no. No. The yeah, doctor you say, doctors. no, you're not clear. They the coach can say, no, house. sit down. <laughs>
2: Right. It's just like I just got another update on my phone. Like, you know, a lot of people have, you know, the updates for one chapter Rappaport tweet. And it's like, yeah, you know, most wide receivers probably we wouldn't hear from till week six, but Michael Thomas is trying to figure out if he can go (laughs) Monday night. It's like he's an idiot. And he's an idiot. Like, I get it, I appreciate it, but like, you're not healthy. Sit down. So the fact that they're gonna have to throw him on on like because that's the thing that's so Silly about this all. The fact that they might have to throw him on IR to save themselves the headache, even though there's a world he might actually be ready to go in less than three weeks, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then we're just like, yeah, Michael Thomas, what a time. Th- like, figure this out. Like, I I I am not impressed. I am not here like, wow. Look at how much Michael Thomas wants to be. I'm really not. I've not come away like this, how I feel like some others have. I think for the Saints, will they be able to go without Michael Thomas? That will be the expectations. But I remember many moons ago in this roster reset having an uncomfortable feeling about them traveling to the Vegas debut on Monday Night Football.
1: Yeah, I hear that. The only thing that would give me more comfort is I saw Teddy Bridgewater score 30 points against this Raiders defense in week one. You know what I mean? So even without Michael Thomas, if I think about the Saints offense, I still think they could be effective against this same Raiders defense. However, the Raiders will be home dogs with a team flying west on Monday Night Football as they christen that new stadium. The names to know, though, if Michael Thomas cannot go and it looks like they're going to try to hold him out, Remember, they had Manny Sanders, Traquan Smith, and what I will say here also, Kev, I think this is a boost. Think about it in DFS. For Jared Cook, okay, he was actually kind of the second most targeted guy as the tight end position. He may get more looks. The Raiders do not defend the tight end well, at least historically. So we'll keep our eye out for that. You also, in this week's in Monday Night Football, you saw Steelers running back James Conner, the Terminator, go down early, didn't really come back, was still on the sidelines, had his helmet on during a lot of the game, didn't go back in, and part of that was because Ben Snell became only the second man in the NFL to run for 100 yards in week one. He looked good, but Mike Tomlin yesterday said, quote, unquote, they're going to leave the light on for him. And there's been reports that, listen, um, it looks less serious than what we talked about. Here's the way I got to frame this for you. They were really high on James Conner coming into the season. Right. We know Pittsburgh prefers to employ a kind of lead-back strategy, right? This is not one of the teams that are into the committees, into the timeshare. It was very clear James Conner was their guy. Mm-hmm. Now, if James Conner is active, I still think Benny Snell looked better. Now, maybe that was because of the ankle and all that stuff. So my question for you is, Does this? do the Steelers kind of morph into... Uh, a timeshare like has Benny Snell earned more work even if Connor is there I'm a little bit hesitant on that and that's why quite frankly Kev Benny Snell wasn't higher up on my waiver wire because I know the Pittsburgh Steelers may have seen this as like a good one-off performance but reinstall Connor right back as the bell cow I think that is very possible Kev how do you see this
2: I think it's hard to ignore every single thing that Mike Tomlin had said all yeah. off season. Right. I think, though, again, it comes down to the eye of the beholder. Do we look at the decision to keep him out of that Monday night game? And by the way, you will not tell me that that dude couldn't have gone if they needed him to go in that Monday night game because he stood on the hurt angle the entire yeah, he was there. He game. Had to thumb game. Yep. But he was standing on it, too.
1: Yeah. Like, sit down. like Whatever. But even more to my it's, point, then, if it's not that serious, Connor's going to be back. Right. And then so, when that comes, how does yeah. it look? So
2: that, and that was kind of going to be my point of, do we look at him sitting out as them saying, just hold on, it'll be fine, we'll get you back out there next week, or them coming away impressed by Benny Snell? Because the thing is, Tomlin says he wants this bell cow back. Right. But unless his philosophy is running backs need a rhythm, it's not necessary, right? It's not like he has to justify uh, a certain dollar sign that they put next to James Conner's name. So, there's no reason for them to go above and beyond to make sure that James Conner gets 85% of the backfield touches. Right. If Benny Snell's going to be able to produce at a level that makes
1: them seem like comparable backs, I hear you, um, and I think we're, we see this the same way, right? It really, in my opinion, comes down to what does Mike Tomlin want to do, you know, yeah. right? And do they shift the philosophy at all? But that philosophy has been there in Pittsburgh for a long time. So I wonder truly if like 110 yards in week one against the Giants defense is enough to change the philosophy of the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. And I actually would not be so sure about that. Kev, I wanted to point out one other game to you because it is an example of a kind of betting system that I have used in the past. Kev, you're not going to like it. It's ugly. It's disgusting, Kev. I, in fact, call it the hold your nose special. I, in fact, call it the hold your nose special. Okay, Kev? If a team underperformed against the spread by more than two, Uh, By more than three touchdowns, by more than 20 points, I blindly bet them the following week, Kev. I blindly bet them the following week, okay? That happened in one situation in the NFL in week one. And I believe we've got a good um, opportunity to come back on them in week two. It happened, Kev with the Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Ravens, who got dump trucked. But look, they now, in week two, host Thursday Night Football, and the rookie, Joe Burrow, is traveling for the first time, and it's a short week for the first time, and Cleveland is minus five and a half, okay? Minus 260 on the money line. I believe that if they didn't get boat raced by Baltimore in week one, this may be a touchdown. Or more, mm-hmm. I think you're getting the value with it at minus five and a half. This is an example, Kev. You underperform the spread by more than three touchdowns. I come right back to you next week. It's the zigzag. It's the overreaction kind of piece of it, Kev. I'm going to be on the Browns hosting Thursday night football tomorrow. What Thursday? Yeah,
2: it's going to it's going to be able to uh, you know it's going to be fun to get into that game. But I think it's fair to say that this is a set of teams that we need a lot more answers on, right? The Browns getting ran out of the building by the Ravens in week one is par for the course what the Ravens do in week one to teams and will probably do to a lot of teams. So I'm not going to sell any bit of stock that I might have had in this Cleveland Browns team bouncing back. Although I don't love that we're already having articles about whether or not Odell should ask out of Cleveland. And almost like from the perspective that it would be beneficial for Baker to not have one of the most talented receivers in the league. Like, that's a Baker issue, but okay. Uh, And then the Bengals, like, you know, I'm still trying to figure out, is this defense better than we think? Or is the Chargers offense going to be way worse than we would have imagined? So I think it's going to be a very, very fun game for us to break into, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about it more tomorrow because that will kick off week two Thursday night football. We'll talk about our plays. We'll dig into it a lot more. But I do think it represents an example. You know, you said it yourself, like, are these Browns that bad? You're not willing to sell yet. Well, public perception will likely be willing to sell. And that's where I think there is some value. I'm going to look for those spots throughout the season. I want to put it on your radar. Underperformed by 21 points. I'm going to be on them the following week, okay? I'm going to zig when other people are like, oh, my goodness. They suck. When we come back, there's news in the college football world that we got to talk about. We may have another Power 5 conference. Talk about it when we come back.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here on to the early line. Dane and Kevin putting the fun in functional sports content. Kev, we had NFL football last week. We also had college football last week. And I remember telling you about the Big 12 and how they didn't have a good week. Three of their games were postponed. Three of their teams lost to Sun Belt Conference teams, right? Well, hmm. and I was wondering what is that going to mean for the college football playoff, right? Might they be so discredited, Oklahoma and Texas, that we'll get more teams in these other conferences? Well... Those teams like Texas and Oklahoma may now have guys like Ohio State to worry about as well because the Big Ten is talking about voting to actually get their season going in the month of October. The uh, I believe the AD or the president of Nebraska was picked up on a hot mic yesterday saying, yep, we're voting to return to football. It's going down. We're announcing it. So that is interesting. And then in a report that I saw, they say the real key factor here is that there's now the event availability of more kind of rapid response testing, which would allow um, them to test a lot quicker, do a lot more regularly and improve the ability of contact tracing if needed for some of these schools. It's interesting, you know, they have The testimonial the proof point of seeing football played college football played across this country but there's also the proof points of games getting postponed cases rising like crazy on college campuses so you know um but it does look like the big 10 is really considering plowing forward on this what are your thoughts
2: yeah i I think it you know as they sit there and and they watch their uh peers push through They were going to only see an uptick in pressure for them to do the same, and that's certainly the point that we've reached. Um, If these other schools are going to go forward, you know, I find it hard then to point to the Big Ten and say, oh, what are you doing? Um, I also, though, would never, um, unlike a lot of people, you certainly wouldn't fit the description, um, start to take shots at an organization that is looking to uh, approach with caution during a pandemic, Uh, and yet, you know, kind of here we are. I think, you know, if you want to just take it from a pure sports perspective, though, Dane, real interesting to see how the Big Ten factors into the college football playoff.
1: Yeah, it definitely will be, especially a team like Ohio State, especially players like Justin Fields. Now, remember, also, as with every other thing in this pandemic, right, the conference is making a decision. Independent schools and university presidents can then make a decision, and then individual college football athletes can still make a decision. So we'll see how this plays out. We'll continue to monitor it here on the early line. Our number two is up when we come back. We still got a lot to talk about. Cam Stewart joins our number two. We got a golf major